0: From the Carter Subaru
1: Studios, this is the G and Ursula Show with G. Scott and Ursula Voightine. Ursula, Valentine's Day tomorrow, and I just want to know who's paying? Who is paying for Valentine's Day? Who's on the hook? Because they said Gen Z has a little bit of different thoughts than us X and boomers out here in the world. I don't know where I'm going with this, but good
2: morning, Ursula. Oh, well, you're going with it because at 947, we're going to discuss it. So text us on the Muckleshoot oh, Casino yeah, Resort text right. line, 888 973 5476 973 cairo I think you were also trying to remind yourself that Valentine's Day is tomorrow. Mark mm-hmm. and I were discussing what we want to do which, for which, Valentine's Day, mm-hmm. and we decided, let's just wait until Vegas and celebrate it there. And I said, whatever money we were going to spend for Valentine's Day, I'll just happily take it as spending money for Vegas.
1: Valentine's Day is the most socially awkward holiday <laughs> of the year. Here's why. You and Long Live Mark been together 30-plus years, uh-huh. and y'all still haven't really figured out this whole February 14th. A lot of people right now, you don't know what you're going to get your yeah. significant other. You don't know if you're going to stop on the uh, side of the road, get some of them chocolates and, and, and everything. I don't know about getting chocolates on the side yeah. of the road. But anyways.
2: I think... Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Again, text us or send us a, a G and Ursula show Facebook message. I think we used to put a lot more effort into it early on, you know, during that honeymoon phase. Right,
1: right, <laughs> right. For sure.
2: At this point, I'm like, you know what? Let's go to a nice dinner and that's great.
1: Lillian wants food. Yes. I can't go wrong with food. Yes. Right. Yes, right. Let's, let's get to the day. Top stories of the day brought to you by Way Scar 40, Zuzu in Auburn.
2: Two people arrested for allegedly breaking into a home in Edmonds while fleeing police last weekend are now being released without bail. And neighbors are not happy about this. Cairo 7 spoke with this guy who said his entire family hid for hours after Edmonds police had to block off their neighborhood.
1: They had like a voice recording going over and over. You're under arrest for uh, the burglary of this home. Please come out with your hands up. And this kept going on for about two and a half hours. My mom got really spooked. She was like, the street is blocked off. Everyone bunkered down. And so we were freaking out.
2: So what we're learning about the suspects, one is a 45-year-old grandmother. Her accomplice is 28 years old. Prosecutors dropped down the felony charge of burglary to first-degree trespassing because they say the suspects only intended to hide in that house, not actually steal anything from it. So this lesser charge is a misdemeanor. The two were released. So they're out until their next court date. Hmm. And I know both of us saw this story and we're scratching our heads on this.
1: So I saw the headline first, Ursula. And the first thing I thought, huh, wow, um, I must be missing something. So I dig into the story because I wanted to make sure it wasn't anything I missed because I don't want to get here on this platform and say the wrong thing. Um, Here's what I'm going to say for everybody that has made the comment. They just letting folks do whatever they want. You're absolutely right. Let's get into this. First of all, they stole a car. Shocker, right? Stolen car. It seems like every story we tell starts with the stolen car. Allegedly. Yes. (laughs) They steal the car. Allegedly. And then they're being chased by the police. Yes. So So they're they're, eluding police. So so they're eluding police. Uh huh. Mm, Not good. So then they find a house. And in the house, they go and they break in the house. They break in, y'all. And wait a minute. The house is not empty. There are people inside of the house. Oh, I didn't realize the, that Oh, part. yeah. The people inside of the house. You ready for this? Guess what they had to do? You got it. They had to to run run out of the house, out of the front door. So then they're in there. They're barricaded inside of the house, right? Check this out. Here's the kicker. You got a 45-year-old grandmama that's in there. The 45-year-old grandma's in the house, Ursula. The police is out there like, hey, come out. Come out with your hands up. So they're going to come out with their hands up. No, the 45-year-old grandmama says, hold up. Stop. Wait a minute. Let me do some drugs first. So she does some drugs inside of the house because you got to get high before you leave the house because, who knows, we know dang for sure that they're going to give us a misdemeanor and they're actually going to let us out without any type of bail or anything. Because you know why? Because the attorney said that this 45-year-old grandma has to get back down to her grandkids. Chef said it this morning. Where the damn parents? You know where the parents are? They were sleeping in bed. They were 15 years old, and they have to worry about their grandma going to get high inside of a house. How in the world are we in this situation? We should be embarrassed. You wonder why we got a problem? Because you know that if you break in somebody's house and they have to leave, you do drugs, get high, you won't have no bail.
2: Okay. I mean, you're exactly right. They're only facing a misdemeanor? I understand this idea that prosecutors don't want to overcharge, so... You want to make sure that you're going to be able to get a conviction, but you don't undercharge either. And in this case, unless we're missing something in terms of the allegations, I mean, look at the impact these alleged crimes had on that community. What message are you sending by only giving a real slap on the wrist, if even that? What is the likelihood that they're going to commit more crimes since they didn't face any real punishment this time around? The only thing I could think of is that I understand and maybe this is not reported enough, but we always talk about how there are uh, we're dealing with a, a shortage of police officers. Mm-hmm. Do you realize we're also de- dealing with a severe shortage of attorneys, both prosecuting attorneys and public defenders? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you know. I that. So so especially in eastern Washington, but it's a problem in western Washington as well. Mm-hmm. So during the pandemic courts came to a grinding halt. So there is, you know, every uh, prosecutor's office, every jurisdiction has backlogs of cases. Mm -hmm. So the prosecutors are overworked, overstressed, still playing catch up from all the cases uh, that stacked up during the pandemic. Many are, are retiring early. Many are burned out. There's pressure to clear up the backlog. So. The only thing I could think of was maybe some of this, and it's not an excuse, but this is just r- raising awareness to a problem. Like, could some of that stress be playing into these charging decisions? Like, hey, we, you know, we already have overburdened courts. We have jails that are too full. We have, you know, so in this case, look at it and go, well, you know, no one was killed, so let's just go with a. I think it's wrong, first of all. Yeah, I mean, it's r- wrong, mm-hmm. but. That's the only explanation I can potentially give other than they just don't think that they can they can get a conviction.
1: I'm I'm glad that you are able to give that angle, because I think what that does is, is it gives our listeners um, another way of looking at this. And as you say that, I can kind of understand that that is a possibility. You kind of know a little bit more about what some of the uh, prosecuting attorneys and all that that world is about. Yeah. Yeah. but I just want to just... I, it's not an say, excuse. No, no, I know, no, I yeah. know you weren't doing it. Yeah. You're just giving us another yes. way of looking at it. And I just think it's really hard to look at it any other way than to... Like, this is when people get really extreme about talking about the problems. This type of problem, and it just it feels like it just goes unpunished. And, yes, and, oh, it
2: feels like it's out of control, and, and it sends the message right. that nothing's going to happen to you. And,
1: and oh, by the way, one of them has an extensive track record.
2: So again, that should have played into this whole idea. You, you know
1: what I mean? But right. the, but the fact that both of them get to leave and hey, grandma has to get back to her grandkids. Yeah. Well, why the hell was not grandma with her grandkids when she was breaking inside exactly. the house getting high?
2: Why exactly? Exactly. Why didn't you think of that in the first place? Mm. Okay, well, with more crime and fewer officers, the city of Seattle is planning on adding surveillance cameras and gunshot location systems in especially troublesome neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And during a recent public hearing, this man called this pilot program a waste of money.
0: It feels like instead of addressing these issues, we've instead addressed everyone as a potential criminal and now are watching them every move.
2: He tells Coma 4 News it's only going to create anxiety for people like him who don't like to be on camera all the time. But the owner of Asian. Ginger Teriyaki in Pioneer Square supports additional cameras downtown, Mm -hmm. pointing out that surveillance footage actually provided evidence in the shooting of a Korean couple as they sat in their car downtown. Luckily, it was in front of the storefront and they had a CCTV and they were able to arrest the the guy. So this proposal would have the cameras facing toward the street, the sidewalks and other public areas. You won't be able to miss them because signs will be posted everywhere to make sure that you know you're being filmed. Mm -hmm. The Seattle City Council approved $1.8 million for this pilot project, so just to see how it works. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's one more public hearing on this proposal later this month. If you were there, Mm -hmm. how would you weigh in on this proposal?
1: Uh, Yes, please. (laughs) Hurry up. Hurry up and, and install this. And I was reading through that Ursula, and you had some the opposition to this, right? And one of the things and comments that they made is they got on there and they said that, well, you know, it is it's time for these all of these cameras. It's a bad idea because it 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 makes all of us feel like we're the criminals, right? It makes you feel now. So it, it, I was thinking about something when you have walked into a store. And you know how you walk into a convenience store? It says
2: cameras in use to prevent shoplifting. Do you feel like a criminal? No, I really don't. I I told you, walking into Fred Meyer, (laughs) both upstairs and downstairs. Thank you, Fred Meyer, Lake City, for listening to your customers who say they don't feel safe shopping. They've got security, Mm -hmm. both upstairs and downstairs. You pass through. I don't feel like a criminal. Mm -hmm. I feel like, hey, good for you. I I get it. That's
1: what I'm saying. Like, all of these excuses as to why. Let's get more Cameras. Let's me, let's okay, be London. I, let's yeah. be let's be London. Yeah, right. That's what they're doing over
2: there. Well, the reality is, we just don't have enough officers. So if it can help deter some crime or at least make people. <laughs> think that something might happen to them if they uh, do something wrong. But uh, I do want to balance out the story and give you the the point of view from the ACLU, because they're saying that it's disappointing that the city's trying to rush what they say is ineffective and this dangerous gunshot detection technology, uh, along with this closed circuit TV. Uh, which they say has the potential to violate privacy and undermine civil liberties. And they also say it would chill free speech um, and fuel racial disparity in policing. And it would provide a false sense of security at the cost of privacy and race equity.
1: <laughs> Every single time, yeah, Yeah. Chef, you were looking outside because the reason, the reason why, because I know it's coming. Yes, it's like Uno. You're gonna pull out your wild card. And you you're pull, pull that out, your, out that stops you. People pull, in their you you, you stop you in the tracks. I'm sorry, if you really want to have a discussion and you want to go talk to black grandmas' families across the country. And you ask them, hey, what are your thoughts about the potential and possibility of having more surveillance and more cameras? They are going to tell you, yes. Yes, because I don't want to be scared walking to the grocery store. I don't want to have to worry about getting my purse stolen. I don't want because I cannot afford to move from this neighborhood. I'm so sick and tired of folks that went to private school their whole damn life and all of a sudden come from rich neighborhoods trying to come in and tell you what folks in the black community need and want. I'm tired of it. <laughs> okay, I don't need to say anymore
2: because uh, you, you nailed that one. Okay, let's move on. Mortuaries around Washington are now running out of room. Gee. Funeral home operators are asking state lawmakers to change the law that requires mortuaries to keep unclaimed bodies in coolers for at least 90 days. And I'm sorry, as morbid as that sounds, the reality is that for more families, they're struggling to pay their bills. Uh, Corey Gaffney owns a funeral home in Tacoma, and he tells King 5 News some families are just choosing not to claim their loved ones after they die.
1: Families look at us and say, I can't I can't afford this, you know, and we go. Okay, well, you know, let us see what we can do in terms of helping you make different decisions. And some families, unfortunately, say, no, 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 you don't understand. I I can't afford any of it.
2: So sad. This this bill passed with unanimous support in the House. It now goes to the Senate.
1: Yeah, this is a very serious topic. Um, You start talking about 90 days. Um, Ursula, I do know personally, of a situation uh, within a family where um, they didn't have the money. And I think that um, there are people that are listening right now, you guys know, that um, to bury or uh, to take care of a loved one after they have passed away is a lot more expensive today than it has been. It has increased dramatically. I I didn't look up how much. I did. I did. Okay. Yeah, I didn't look up how much it increased. You did? Go well, ahead. Well, yes. It?
2: Uh, so the average cost of a, a burial plot in the U.S. Yeah. is about $3,600. Mm-hmm. But it can range anywhere from $500 to $10,000, depending on your plot, your size, your location. This does not include the cost of a funeral. Yeah. cost of a funeral, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. Um, for a lot of families now, they're, they're especially dealing with these unexpected deaths and in many cases drug overdoses so one of the things they're saying is younger people dying yeah people you know and and um they aren't prepared for that and it is a financial hit or if you have someone who had an extended illness uh, and not all of that was covered so you have the medical bills and then they pass away and now you have your funeral costs it's, it is really sad, and, and I understand why this is... The, the funeral homes are running out of space. Yeah. So um, here's my reminder, just having gone through all of this a lot in, in 2023. Here's just a reminder. If you are in any kind of position to prepay, it's so morbid and you don't even want to think of anything... You, it's not bad luck to have this planning done. It doesn't mean you think you're going to die tomorrow or anything like that. If you have the ability to plan where it is, like how, how it is that you're like, I've talked about this, how are you going to die?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, a, a, in terms of, as in, are you going to be cremated? Are you going to be buried? If so, you know, can you make those payments? Can you buy, you can do payments in installments to buy your burial plot. Right. I mean, Mark and I did it. We, we paid it over three years. Right. It was just like, Hey, you know, yeah. interest free, just pay it off. Yeah. And it wasn't a big hit because for a lot of people, they don't have a couple of thousand dollars. Mm-hmm.
1: I know that um, I'm, and I'm let me just speak for my family, um, guys in my family, and especially a lot in the black community. Right. Before the pandemic, cremation wasn't didn't really it wasn't a popular thing.
2: Is that right? Yeah,
1: for real. It wasn't yeah. even really talked about yeah. because it was more of the burials, you got to have the funeral yeah. showings and all those things. A and I'm I'm, at, I'm asking my brothers and sisters out here that are in the funeral home that work there. See, correct me if I'm wrong, but cremation now has skyrocketed. Has. As a matter of fact, you guys know, I remember in October, two, I mean, in 2022 and early 2023, I lost a lot of family members. Ninety percent were cremated. That didn't used to be that way, right? And why? Because it is less expensive.
2: It is, and that's why it's, it's turned that about, around. It's about three thousand dollars, according to the National Funeral Directors Association. Uh, it is about seven thousand dollars for cremation with a viewing and funeral, and about ninety five hundred for a burial with a vault. And
1: funeral. no, it's tough. It's tough in those decisions, and, and, and I got to tell you. In 2016, when my father passed away, and we sat there in front of the funeral director, I'll be honest with you, Ursula. Um, when he told us the price of just the casket, I looked at I, Ursula. I looked at him like, "What? Oh no! What? And, and
2: it? I mean, it is an industry. And yeah, they're dealing with people who are grieving who mm. want to do right by their loved ones.
1: Yeah, yeah. but I, w- I, w- I will say they are so professional and how they handle things because, boy, when you face grief during that time is something. All right, Ursula, you know, there's a lot of topics that you and I discuss. There's things that you're passionate about, and there's things that I'm passionate about. I enjoy when you are more passionate about a topic than me because I know we're going to have a good topic. Well, coming up next, a tight end in the National Football League did something to you, and you've been so mad about it. You have to discuss this. We will explain to you why Ursula is so upset. Next, Gene Ursula.
2: the G and Ursula show. This is a conversation that we're going to continue from yesterday because, uh, after the super bowl, the one thing that I couldn't get out of my mind wasn't the game itself, but it was Travis Kelsey's behavior on the sidelines when he had that screaming fit at his head coach, Andy Reid, and did that shove that was seen around the world. And has been debated now for the past 48 hours. Um, Coach Andy Reid says Travis Kelsey privately apologized to him after that sidelines meltdown. And in case you missed it, again, I mean, he knocked his or nearly knocked his 65-year-old coach off his feet, Right. got right into his face, and was yelling expletives at him for not keeping him on the field.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And on ESPN, Reid said, well, he came over and gave me a hug. He just wants to be on the field and he wants to play.
1: He wants to help his team win. I mean, it's not a selfish thing. That's not what it is. And I understand that. And so, as much as, um, you know, he bumps into me, I get after him. And we understand that. Um, He just caught me off balance. So, both you and I were upset. Yes. But I think you were upset in different ways than I was.
2: Yes. Because... For his part, Kelsey joked, first of all, that he was just expressing his love for Andy Reid. Then he was trying to sing his coach's praises. But this is no joking matter. Mm -hmm. This goes beyond being in the heat of the moment. We asked uh, Cliff Averill yesterday, Mm -hmm. former Seahawk, whether this was normal. Because I was like, is this something I just don't recognize? To me, it is a huge red flag. Mm -hmm. And anyone who has been in an abusive relationship knows that it cannot and should not be ignored. Right. And for our loyal listeners, you all know, and maybe you've rolled your eyes when I have talked about how invested I am in this relationship. And maybe yesterday I was trying to find some reason, like, what kind of redeeming value is there? Uh, I, I even bet... Mike Lewis, you know that, right? I, I bet that that, that uh, Travis and Taylor are going to be in this for the long haul. They're mm-hmm. going to be married. And now my feeling is, if they're going to be married, they need to have some counseling. Uh, and, and I don't mean to be overly dramatic, but what happened on Sunday needs to be addressed publicly. Right. Not in a joking manner, but whether he likes it or not, Travis is considered a role model. And that tantrum he showed was a lack of respect for his coach, a lack of authority, and did look abusive. Mm -hmm. I don't think he needs to be canceled, but in my opinion, he has an opportunity to turn this into a real teaching moment, and it's his to figure out.
1: Right. And Ursula, rightfully so, and I I respect the fact that you are upset about that. I just want to tell you and express to all of you, why I was upset now you're what you are saying, no doubt about it, but the angle that I took it triggered me because here's Travis Kelsey yelling at his coach according to what the experts are saying that are lip readers didn't he say something didn't he say the F word
2: uh, at his coach? Are saying that, yeah, that, that it you it included a few F words and basically said, uh, I'm calmed down now, you know, F you. P- push to yeah, coach yeah, and everything. Exactly. Yes.
1: Okay. So let me have you guys understand where I'm coming from. According to the Department of Education last school year, about 15 percent of K through 12 public school students are black but they made up 30% of the students that were suspended. Black preschoolers are 18% of enrolled students, but are 43% of the out-of-school suspensions. I've been to private school my whole life. My kids were in private school. What I saw in Travis Kelsey pushing his head coach Yelling at him, and then can you please play again what Andy Reid says about Travis Kelsey? Play that he wants to help his team win. I mean, it's not a selfish thing, that's not what it is, and I understand that. And so, as much as um, you know, he bumps into me, I get after him, and we understand that. Um, he just caught me off balance. It's interesting that he says it's not a selfish thing. He just really wants his team to win. The same way Travis Kelsey is able to get the passionate part, meanwhile in school, across the country, this other kid has a bad attitude. This kid right here is passionate, and it's you, we have to work through this. But this yeah. kid gets a bad attitude. That is the problem that I have. That is consistent across the board.
2: Well, and I think you bring up a great point because I was thinking, if this were DK Metcalf and he did that to Coach Pete Carroll, what would our reaction be? Oh my goodness! Will we say, "Oh, that's just passion"? Oh my goodness! <laughs> and 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 here's the thing, and and you you don't think that uh, there is r- room for redemption or I, mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but no. I think that he could use this honestly as a, a as a thing to say, you know what, maybe that is the relationship we've had that we've developed, our coach. But I can see I understand why. It is triggering. I understand that it, it 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 went too far. I let my emotions uh, go too far, and that is something I need to work on. and And in fact, I think Travis Kelsey has a reputation for being somewhat of a hothead.
0: I mean, Andy Reid has said that this has happened multiple times before. I mean, he's been kicked off teams for similar reasons. He has a long history of this. He's talked about how Andy Reid has been such a big help with his anger right? I know. And it's Andy like, Reid says help. this is not a selfish thing. You're right Andy. It's an anger thing. It is an anger and I can I'll just be I'll be vulnerable for a second. I'll tell you that I'm someone who has struggled with anger in my life. It's been difficult it's, it's caused a lot of problems for me and it's caused problems for other mm. I, I don't want to see Travis Kelsey be the face of redemption but at the same time I think we need some role models in this country for men on how to transform uh your attitude and how to deal with adversity, because we have so many conversations about mental health, mental health, right? But what is one of the biggest problems that young men especially have? Unchecked anger. Yes.
2: Unchecked anger. And And I'd love to see a conversation about that. what do you do with that? And not keep providing him excuses. This was the biggest game. He's had
0: excuses his entire life. I guarantee. And, I think any
2: therapist will tell you and anyone who's been in an abusive relationship will tell you there were flags. So you asked yesterday, are you worried for Taylor Swift? I'm worried if he doesn't actually address it. I would be worried.
1: About five years ago, right here, right here, someone yelled at me. I yelled back. I was asked about my yelling. <laughs> um, in answer to your question, as far as Travis Kelsey, he doesn't have to address this. It's oh, he does? over. No, 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 no. He doesn't. He. Nothing will happen to him. It's over. Well, and I think He's, that's. And by the way, uh,
2: Coach Reed is complicit, and so is the NFL. He
1: doesn't have to. So that's why I said that he will not address this. The proper thing should have been done right away. Travis Kelsey should have said, hey, yo, whoa, whoa, whoa. I messed up. Kids, people that are watching me, I let you down. Let me do the work. But he doesn't have to because Andy Reid, the head coach, said, He's not selfish. Yes, I understand him more understand. than anybody. Even though he shoved me in front of you, that's not what you saw, right? It's no different than the parents that are fighting in front of their kids trying to tell your kids that's not what you saw. And then you wonder why the kids later on in life have to get therapy. Y'all don't hear me though. Coming up next no, I'm here hearing, on the G I'm and, hearing, yeah. <laughs> Coming up next on the G and Ursula show. Who should pay for the dates? Who? Should it be the man? Should it be the woman? Yeah, this discussion is real. We'll do that next. Jen Ursula. show first of all I want you guys to send your regards to Ursula having to do a show every single day with me I promise you it ain't easy you you keep me laughing you keep me you keep me young yes got to okay everybody look we need to talk there was an article in this morning's New York Times that read for Gen Z an age-old question who pays for dates The writer recounts a recent date in which the woman told him gender equality doesn't mean men and women should pay the same when they go out. Women, she said, earn less than men in the workplace, spend more time getting ready for outings, and pay more for reproductive care. Now, everybody, let's talk. And remember, I told you sometimes there are usually a trump card, usually a wild card in Uno that somebody can play. Ursula, I'm telling you right now, if this, if I was talking to this woman and she said, "Gee, women pay for uh, pay more for reproductive care." I'm done. I ain't got nothing to say. What, what can I say? Are you still dating her though? Hell no. No. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not.
2: If she came with an, armed with the facts. I mean, But she t- that, that would be enough to be, I mean, uh, you're backing out of that one. I mean, well,
1: if I heard that discussion and, yeah. and, and she was really serious yes. across the table and she gave that explanation. Yeah, I don't think that, that person's for you. To, no, she's not for me. And to which that I'm going to say, by the way. If you're listening, this is hypothetical, right? I would say, okay, cool. I'm going to pay for this. Now, when we go back to your house, I need you to cook. Oh my gosh. I said hypothetical. (laughs) I said, I said, I said,
2: (laughs) okay. I said hypothetical. And yes, because the text messages are about to be sent in. Okay. Now, I will tell you that I taught our sons, I said, This is very old-fashioned thinking on my part, but I will guarantee you, unless whoever you're dating tells you otherwise, they will like it if you buy at least on the first couple of dates, Mm. that you don't, you know, sit there, pull out your coupons, you know, try to figure out who drank what and who ate what on your first date. That will be the biggest turnoff for whoever you're with. That was my advice. Right. So far it has worked. Now, now that they've been dating, um, you know, in one case, one is making considerably more money uh, than his partner. Okay. And so he feels perfectly fine to be paying for the majority Mm -hmm. of their dates and and when they go out or go on trips or whatever. Mm -hmm. In the case of another one, they balance it out and take turns because the salary discrepancy is not... Right, that big, right? right. I think right. that makes sense, but at least initially, I still think unless if it's the woman asking out mm. uh and saying, "Hey, I want to treat you to blah blah blah, then that's great, right. but again, I understand. I said this is very uh, old fashioned thinking on my part. Uh ju- my man Chivalry is not dead in my uh, in
1: my book. Chef before you say something my man Nate the Barber texted in and said, mm. gee, you got to label that a safe place. I'm a digma. Look, if you just tuned in, <laughs> I don't want anybody to think that I believe women should be cooked. I no, was giving he an does ex- not. I was giving an example hypothetically, but I will say this before you say something chef I wanna give a shout out to my wife Lillian. In the very beginning, our first four dates. Well, the first date, she bought our own coffee. You know what I'm saying? Wow. The second the second date, uh, she did the paying. She bought. The third date, I think I did, and the fourth date she did. So early on, she was really she, No, she was really yeah. back and forth, right? Like Lillian was very back and forth or maybe sixty forty. Yeah, 60 you, for you know her. what I'm saying? She was she was and 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 she was, you know, she was taking care of business. But now As, today, you know,
0: I think it's it, where it's especially hard for young men these days is if you're on dating apps and you're going on, you know, three, four five dates a month and you're expected to pay for that first date every time. I think the first date should always be split because you're just figuring out if you want to spend time. This is not someone I've met. I know them. I'm asking them now. I'm paying like I'll pay for the second date. But gee. Yeah. I just refer to your advice about the workplace, right? Like you shouldn't have to answer email after work hours. You shouldn't have to come back into the office 3 days a week, right? But do you really? Do you really not want to do that? Because in this situation, who's the boss? Who's in the driver's seat? Who is doing the pursuing and who is the pursuer? I, I think I'm I think just, women just, are still in dri- the driver's seat here. Okay, so text paying. us.
2: Text us eight 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 nine seven three five 973 Cairo. I mean it's been so long obviously since I've been in the dating right, world.
0: Right. But this I can tell yesterdays. you
2: <laughs> but I can tell you that if someone expected me either to pony up half or pay for the bill early on,
1: yeah.
0: there's no second
1: yeah. date. Two five three texts in says, Can G please explain how the woman cooking How the woman cooking fits into this argument. Here's how it—I meant that by saying, like my man Cliff in Woodville said, if you want to bring up stereotypes and how things should go, like, hey, the man is supposed to pay, then I would probably say, well, then the woman is supposed to cook. And that was hypothetically. So I was bringing that into the equation. But for some reason, I still dug a hole, Ursula.
2: I know, because if someone's only tuning into part of it, that's all they're hearing. If they already think, oh, chauvinist. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're just confirmation bias. Nick,
1: we didn't ask Gen Z. Your thoughts? I think as a gentleman,
0: the guy pays first. But to protect the hearts and coming from a guy's perspective in the dating world, you have them pay for the second date if they're interested. If you're not interested in them, insist on splitting, even if they offer. And then if it goes further after the date, after dinners, you, you have them pay for club, maybe bowling or movies after that, you know, just to show that they have mutual interest as well. But you make the initiative as a guy. I, that was the best answer. That's
1: good stuff, Nick. Can I, can I give one last parting advice to the, yes. all the fellas? Hey, fellas, she's looking for an old school type of man. Trust your boy. <laughs> uh, coming up next, we're going to have, is it uh, John Scholes? Is going to join us to talk about the newest social housing proposal. Do G- i